Arizona Sports is proud to present the Uprising Podcast. Uprising Podcast. Hello, and welcome into another edition of the Uprising Podcast, a podcast about Phoenix Rising Football Club. I am your host, Jake Anderson. Today, my guest is Brett Johnson, who is an owner of Phoenix Rising FC. So this marks a first ever uh, edition of the Uprising podcast in which we have an owner of the team on as a guest. Um, In addition to Phoenix Rising, he also has ownership of the new USL championship team coming in 2022 in Rhode Island, as well as the League One side FC Tucson, which is here in Arizona. And then his latest venture is that of Ipswich Town FC, which is an English League One side. And we'll get a little bit more into that when I bring Brett on. We're going to discuss Phoenix Rising's ambitions as it pertains to the MLS and where things currently stand uh, in USL. So not going to waste any more time today. We're going to bring on the man himself because he is uh, very busy. He has a lot on his plate and we appreciate the time he's taking out of his day to speak with us. Brett, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I love having you on for the first time. Wish we could have brought you on sooner, uh, but how are you? Thank you so much for joining me. I am great, Jake. Great to see you. Great to be on the show. Uh, it's a real honor. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. And uh, for the listeners that can't see the Zoom call right now, the background is uh, is that the 2020 USL West? Yeah, I, this is, uh, it's so great when we're sitting here trying to figure out which one it is. Um, <laughs> this is uh, 2020. Yes, 2020 November Western Conference. Chance. Okay. Yeah. So the the uh, the most recent trophy, yeah, I, most I should recent, say, most recent one. Yeah. I, you know, obviously, we were all hoping there was another photo that was going to follow about a week later, but not not to be. Yeah. You uh you just mentioned that you had uh just uh, paid a visit to the USL offices down in Tampa, and uh, unfortunately, I never made it there. I, I I got to Denver on my way to the final, and then got word that it had, it had been canceled. So I never actually ended up making it down there. I mean. I've seen pictures of that office, though. I mean, what is it? What is it like down there? Uh, USL headquarters is fantastic. Really nice. They've got a beautiful, beautiful space. And for any any of us that are sort of you know um, just lovers of the beautiful game, it's you can geek out there. They've got so many uh, cool, you know, scarves and uh, memorabilia all over the place, and unbelievable photos of all the different teams across the USL, et cetera. So it's it's always fun to kind of go down and pay my respects to. Alec and Jake and Justin and the whole USL team. So I'll ask you off the bat, what do you think so far of the 2021 season for Phoenix Rising? Yeah, it's good. I mean, I, I, I no complaints is the quick answer. I mean, I obviously I think we would have loved a different result in Tampa, but I, I think given, you know, the, first of all, the difficulty of traveling, especially that distance in a fairly short period of time, but no, no excuses at all. Tampa is a very, very strong side. They played well. But, you know, I certainly hope we get an opportunity to play them again. Um, you know, and I also think to their – I think it was interesting just because we've had some – a fairly substantial change in our lineup, you know, from last season, um, you know, where I think a lot more – they had a lot more, if you will, consistency between what would have been their team last season, this season versus us. I think I, I think I counted it was maybe three or four of our players were, you know, starting from last season to this season. So it was a fair bit of turnover in a short period of time. But long way of saying, I'm thrilled, obviously, with the job that Rick and and the coaching, his t- coaching staff's doing. I'm thrilled with the, the job that Bobby Dooley does. Um, you know, big game this weekend against San Diego. I'm sure that'll be interesting. It always is. 
support those guys. But I was very happy with the results up in Sacramento. That's, you know, not, not much more difficult a venue to play in than up there. And, you know, very rarely is there a team that's been kind of more challenging for us than those guys. So nice to get the three points there. Yeah, it was the first uh, win at SAC in club history. You know, for as much as Phoenix Rising has accomplished, it's kind of nuts to say that out loud in uh, 2021. And yeah. to go off what you said about the uh, the roster turnover or the changing, I mean, you see, uh, not that it's a bad thing, Kevin Lambert leaves because he has to go on international duty. And then Aiden Quinn picks up a little bit of a hamstring issue. And all of a sudden you got two thirds of your your midfield trio is uh, not in the lineup. And still to be able to come out and uh, get three points uh, this past weekend, I think it just shows the depth that Rick and Bobby have built. Yeah, I totally um, agree. I mean, I think the minutes that those guys got, you know, especially like Joey and some of the other guys, like that that's what really builds a fortitude over a long season. And so, you know, and that's the way if I've learned anything over now these seven years is, you know, it is a long, long season. And, you know, the you have moments where things change in an instant. You know, Aiden Quinn's in that game, and maybe it's a diff- different, you know, tempo, feel, but he gets, you know, rightly so, they kind of cautious and hold him out. And then with Kayvon doing international duty, all of a sudden it's a, it's a very different team and it's got to figure out how to kind of step up against a very different San Diego than what they first fa- faced uh, in the home opener. So, no, to their credit, it's good. I mean, I, I love the breadth and depth of the Phoenix Rising teams and, and their grit. I think that the come-from-behind um, win, <laughs> in, if you will, against San Diego, it's a – I've never seen I've never seen a tie that felt more like a win um, than that game, but uh, also speaks volumes to you know what you want, which is a team that's got grit and that never gives up. And uh, I think that's part of the Phoenix Rising culture. I'll one hundred percent agree to you on that tie feeling like a win. That was that was a crazy six minutes to happen in extra time, or I should say stoppage time. Excuse me. I, I literally think the first second of stoppage time, Santi Moore scored, and then I think you know obviously. Basically, the last second, obviously, Joey scored. I mean, it, you know, it's the stuff of Hollywood legend. So I know it's obviously a fan, they're fan favorites, the two uh, Arizona boys and Tate Schmidt and Ryan Flood. But from your perspective, I mean, to see where the team has come since you took over and to see that there's two Arizona homegrown kids now playing, I mean, what is, what is that like for you? I love it. I love it. I mean, and uh, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting those guys personally yet. I mean, obviously for a lot of reasons, including that I live in Los Angeles, but um, I, I love what I saw from Tate. Um, and then Ryan is, you know, arguably one of my favorite new additions. Um, thrilled to see him getting the appropriate minutes that he should. He's a beautiful player. Um, I mean, and he's just that, that left foot of his is something else. I can't wait. I mean, he is, he's going to break the net with one of his shots. I'm fairly confident of it, but no, I, I love it. it. It's, it's exciting to see. And, you know, I think it's a lot of what I, think makes USL special is uh, the ability to start to look at cultivating uh, local talent around these teams. And I, I think it's just the beginning of what uh, hopefully a lot more sort of homegrown grown players that, you know, we have the, we have the honor of associating with and, you know, helping them advance their careers. I, I know USL was recently talking about several young kids that they've been kind of impressed by in Arizona and in, in kind of the youth level. So it sounds like the future is bright on that, on that front. So transitioning here to, I guess, the future of Phoenix Rising and as specifically as it pertains to MLS, I, I read a recent interview that you did with the Athletics' Jeff Ruder, and you, you said that you told your wife you wanted to buy an MLS team way back when you decided to, to get involved into then Arizona United, right? Um, so as it stands in 2021, I mean, how confident are you guys that 
you know, that ultimate goal that you had set out for so many years ago will be achieved. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I need to preface it or asterisk my original epiphany, if you will, um, with the utmost respect to the fact that I wasn't even aware of USL in, in 2014. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, you know, so my, so the default was, I was listening to Don Garber give an update on, you know, as he does every year at halftime of the US, uh, MLS championship uh, on the state of the league and, and specifically expansion. And the, as I described it, the entrepreneurial epiphany for me was, wait a second, he just rattled off a bunch of cities. How did he not rattle? How, how is Phoenix not on that list? And that, that's where I kind of sat there and said, well, Phoenix should be on the list. It absolutely should, given the size of the city, its growth, its demographics, uh, it was pretty pretty clear to me that there was an opportunity there, and so I, I you know, had I had the idea of Phoenix Rising. I was like, that, that would be such a cool name um, for a team. And then, yeah, as I said, I turned to my wife, and you know, she she uh, she wasn't crazy about. I mean, she just she told me to turn the television off and change the diaper. <laughs> you know, she was, she's like, that's enough soccer for today. Let's let's get on with uh, taking care of our kids, but. Um, you know, as I say, I started researching it and, and what became evident was that there was a USL franchise there called Arizona United. And it also became fairly clear to me that as such, because if you looked at Orlando and some other teams that were coming into MLS, it was coming through USL and, and Minnesota came in through NASL, but that was the last one that came in through that league. Um, but, but in short, it became clear to me that the pathway was going to be if that was ultimately was going to transpire, we're going to come through the USL. And so as I described it, long story short, I bought a significant stake of Arizona United. And then to my original partner's credit, he kind of woke up with the fact that this is a lot of work. It's a lot of work in time. It's a lot of work in terms of capital. And that opened the door for me, as I describe it to, to truly, there's a lot of reasons why one of my partnerships is called fortuitous because fortuitously I met Mark Detmer, who put me in touch with Derek Bakai, and those two became kind of foundational parts of the new ownership group. And then Tim Reister, uh, through another relationship, I was introduced to Tim Reister, and it was really uh, Mark, Berkay, and Tim that put together the broader syndicate of the ownership group that then led to, you know, and they deserve, as I really try to highlight, those, each one of these individuals that came in, all the depth and breadth that joined me they deserve a disproportionate amount of credit for the success of Phoenix Rising. Um, I, I felt strongly we needed to rebrand, and fortunately, I feel like we chose a good name in Rising. But as I said, I, I have no objectivity on that. But uh, a critical thing was the, the decision with the stadium and putting it in the right location. And then Berkey deserves, I mean, I, I consider it one of the greatest coups in sporting history in terms of selling Didier Drogba to finish up his career out of then lead three USL team um, that didn't have a stadium. And, you know, that also changed the trajectory. So I'm so blessed relative to where it's come from there in, you know, because there were some dark days in Arizona United playing in Peoria in a baseball stadium. It's not exactly what dreams are made of, if you will. No, I, I a hundred percent hear you there. And it's uh it's really amazing as I've gone through my travels to the Western Conference, mostly of USL and, and always coming back to Phoenix and, and seeing how, you know, not to take anything away from the Renos of the world, but when you play in Reno versus when you play in Phoenix, it's just the soccer culture is just the, the stadium. It just, it's just different. 
You know, you're not, like you said, you're not playing in a baseball stadium. Well, I think that gets back to, again, the point relative to sort of Phoenix and USL and MLS. Uh, the respect that I have for USL and the job that the extended ownership groups are doing, the league is doing, the quality and caliber of the talent that now plays for USL. And I believe, I really believe for a lot of reasons, the there are going to be a lot of scenarios where foreign clubs are either going to affiliate and or acquire interest in USL clubs because of the advantages that they'll be able to maintain uh, relative to player development and play, player, you know, valuations, if you will. And so to that point, look at Louisville and, you know, now Albuquerque is building a stadium and, and Colorado just built one and Oklahoma is going to build one. Um, we're in a new stadium. Uh, it, it's the evolution, USL, the league, it has to, it's not a bold statement. You can't have a situation where a club that is, that is playing in a baseball. It's just, it ne that's never, never, ever going to succeed. And you also need what I would call sort of these 10 to 15,000 seat soccer specific stadiums in great locations. And so as I look forward in the, to the league, you're starting to see a lot of building. And I'm obviously part of it as well because I have a big project in Rhode Island. Um, but that's going to completely transform um, the USL landscape, you know, where it's great product off the pitch and it's great product on the pitch. And so it's just one of many reasons why, as I described it, um, I'm so bullish on soccer in North America. At all, MLS, USL, um, you know, both leagues are going to, the future is bright for both leagues, for sure. So going back to what you said about having to have a lot of capital in order, you know, just to get into MLS, let alone run it, you know, year by year, you know, we, we see Carolina's number was at 300 million and you see Sacramento loses their lead investor due to hardships from COVID pandemic of 200 plus million and then, you know, obviously you would have to build a stadium, as, as you, you told Jeff Reuter. So, I mean, we're looking at what, like at least half a billion dollars just to get this thing started? I mean, yeah. how, how, how realistic yeah. is that for a lot of these markets that are, that are looking to get into MLS as the future continues to come? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, to, to be clear, the money's there. Um, the question is, is the, is the rationale there? Is the return on that investment there? Got it. Um, you know, the, but when you say half a billion, that's just equity. That's not counting in the debt that you're going to have to put on as well. And you're going to have to put a substantial amount of debt. And, you know, there have been uh, indications from MLS that they would really kind of want Phoenix to play in an indoor stadium because of the heat, you know, and that at least, you know, realistically, they probably adds 150 million to the expense. You're probably looking at more of a $400 million stadium to put a, put a roof on it. Now, all of a sudden, you're also talking artificial turf, you know, which is also a little bit different in terms of just sort of what I call, especially in the West where you should be playing on natural grass. But anyway, it's a host of different factors. And from my perspective, I always try to kind of do the balancing act of, which is not easy, if you will, but with the utmost respect to MLS, um, you know, there are valuations in MLS are continuing to go up and to the right. But if you pencil out what it would take for Phoenix Rising to buy a franchise fee and build a $400 million plus indoor stadium to be used 20 days a year. Um, it's, it's, it's a, that's a big investment. And then also on a road basis, the operating expense of an MLS team is in a completely different zip code. You know, the payrolls relative to, I mean, the, I think the average team MLS team lost $30 million last year. Now, obviously it's exacerbated by COVID, but 
you know, from my perspective, I'm really glad we didn't rush to get into MLS like a lot of other cities did just for the right to lose, you know, $30 million. That's a, that's a pretty, pretty substantial capital call, if you will. And, and uh, God bless MLS for getting, you know, that, that level of uh, investment on a franchise fee. Um, you know, we just bought Ipswich and we're thrilled about it and really excited. You, you can buy Newcastle in the Premier League for not too far off a $300 million franchise fee. Now you've got a, a fair bit of risk with Newcastle for the relegation, but that being said, it's, you know, with the way that team cash flows and, you know, how you could potentially operate it, it you put the two on the scale. And again, it's just, you just have to think as an investor, which uh, most people do view this stuff as an investment. I certainly do. You just have to wonder about what the long-term velocity of your return on capital is going to be over a certain arc. And, and it's difficult at that level to kind of sit there and say, oh yeah, I think this is going to be a five X, you know, if you, you start to think about those kind of valuations, you're talking sort of NBA, NFL valuations and long-term again, I'm bullish on MLS and, and soccer period, but I just don't know if you're going to see that at that level um, anytime soon. So let's use that as a perfect transition to Ipswich. I think the biggest thing that jumps out to me was the reported cost of it being 40 million pounds, which, which is around 50 million American dollars. But, just when we're talking about MLS and then we talk about uh, League One side, and like you said, the, what is going to be the return on your investment? I mean, are you shocked about how much or how little, I, I should say, that you know Ipswich Town cost in comparison to what an MLS franchise is asking for? Yeah, I mean, obviously not apples to apples by any means just because of, you know, for a host of reasons, country, league, et cetera. But, um, and, and, you know, we're not, we were, we were, not revealing how much we paid for it, but we didn't pay that much. We paid less than that. But the, the regardless, our commitment, when you add up what the financial commitment is, one thing to buy a team is another thing to run the team. And so um, the, the, the number in the press, that number in particular, is, uh, is actually substantially higher than what we actually spent to acquire Ipswich. But now, now again, uh, the company, the, company the, the club, requires funding. Um, for a host of different reasons. So, and what's important is our commitment, it's not about the purchase price, it's about your commitment to invest, to make sure that the club can succeed. And that, that's the important thing to focus on. And that's where we've got, you know, um, what I would say is a, a very large appetite to make sure that we can do that. And, and our financial sponsor, our partner, uh, absolutely has the means and is absolutely committed, which is critical. Um, I, I, we love, Ipswich, we love buying it where, where we bought it. And, you know, as a league one, we looked at uh, championship clubs. We looked at Newcastle. And, you know, the way I described it to Jeff and some others, um, you know, with the utmost respect to Newcastle, I mean, how incredible would it be is to own that brand? But oh, absolutely. Also, how painful would it be to come out of the gate and get relegated? Which, you know, you look, you can walk through a fairly long list of foreign investors, not just foreign, domestic investors, not, it's not, but where they get their hands on a trophy asset and given the Darwinian nature of pro-rel and just what I'd say, putting these successful franchises together, they find themselves relegated. And uh, that is painful. That is really painful. And so that, that's why, you know, in some respects, MLS can charge so much. And it's why, in some respects, some of these teams are, relatively speaking, an absolute steal, in my opinion. But now, now the hard work begins with Ipswich, and we very quickly, we've got the right manager, we've brought in the right CEO, we've got a, a very experienced chairman, and then between Mark Berke and myself and our financial partner, 
uh, we've got a really nice compliment, sort of Anglo-American compliment to, I think, make some exciting things happen with that club. And, you know, Ed Sheeran's now sponsoring a shirt. The amount of press and attention that that brought was unbelievable. And just in a short period of time, a team that was clearly in a club that was going in the wrong direction, I think we've been able to kind of quickly U-turn it. And now the, the, it's going to come down to how the on-field performance. And we can, we can put a fresh coat of paint. We can clean the seats. We can put in new digital boards. We can improve the food, all that other stuff. At the end of the day, people want to win. That's, uh, and that's what we're going to be very focused on. And that's what we'll be judged by. Um, and so I, I'll be interested. Let, let's talk sometime during the season and see how we're doing on that front. But I, we don't take it lightly because the, if you look at the League One, I mean, look at some of the names that are in League One, some of the clubs. Um, like Ipswich with unbelievable sort of history, gravitas, et cetera. So it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting battle. I mean, I, I think USL is amazingly competitive relative and especially how every single year you have to keep improving because if not, um, you're, you're going to be on the wrong side of the table. Um, but league one, I think is, is going to be, I, I'm not celebrating prematurely because I, I think we have to, be patient, and I think we have to recognize again just how much unbelievable talent and co competition is going to be at that level for us. So, like you said about about Newcastle and, and their price and their stature, uh, I'm an AS Roma fan, and they just sold for about five six hundred million dollars to an, another American a group, the Friedkin Group, Stan Friedkin out of Houston, and you know the Forbes ranked them the seventeenth most valuable club in the world, and you know six hundred million and. When you when you think about the biggest clubs in the world that are worth over a billion dollars, let's say, um, but to to transition from that, in terms of the investment you're making into Ipswich, I mean the, I mean you've been touching on it this whole time about how the the financial structure of the American system is so different than overseas. In which for Ipswich, let's say you guys do get promoted in you know fairly quick uh, series here, and you will get those lucrative, those lucrative TV deals that come with it and everything. I mean, perfect world. This team could be a premier league team in maybe five, 10 years. I mean, yeah. the, the financial structures that come up with that, can you maybe just, you know, share some of the differences between the American and the, uh, the English structures? Yeah. I mean, a promotion up to premier league, you know, this team is worth, uh, you know, 400 million pounds. I mean, it's not, if, if it's a solid premier league contender and, and not kind of sitting on the bubble every single season and, you know, then, then the evaluation is exponential and, and, you know, the media rights and the host of different things. But that being said, you're also talking, you're competing for, for a player pool, which is also exponentially more competitive than what we're competing for right now to sign talent into league one. But that's the game that we signed up for. That's the game that we relish. And, you know, I, I've talked about it and I, I'm excited because I really believe we're going to start to see, over time, some connectivity between an Ipswich and a Phoenix Rising. Um, obviously, by extension, I think with with my franchise in Rhode Island, I think you know with the franchise that I'm blessed to own in Tucson, the League One team now, and so and and, and other markets. I think that leveraging talent, experience, culture, um, and and finding ways to make them kind of equal more than than the sum of their parts. Um, that's going to be exciting to see. And I, and I can't wait to see, you know, some of the talent that I think we have in Phoenix and see, you know, can they, can we give them a shot to go play in England? And then vice versa, look at the depth of uh, Ipswich squad, especially the academy, 
And are there some young players in that academy that would really thrive in USL and it would accelerate their development, accelerate the value add that they could provide in our system and or potentially put us in a position where we could turn to other clubs and say, look, this beautiful 18-year-old player just finished an incredible season with rising. Here are the stats. And, you know, someone would look at it and say, you know what, that's, that player is more valuable than if he was just sitting, you know, in the Ipswich Academy, you know, playing some of the other 18 clubs, in, you know, eight, under 18 clubs in, in England. So you kind of answered my next question, which would have been about uh, Phoenix Rising Ipswich Town relationship, kind of like we saw with OC and Rangers. So I'll, I'll kind of switch the question here. I mean, how quickly do you foresee a player coming here or a player going there happening? Yeah, for, uh, part of it is just timing. You know, we're in the heart of our season. so Right, uh, yeah. But we've already said, I mean, hopefully very late November, you know, for us, uh, you know, a- after the season concludes, uh, once Rick and Bobby kind of catch their breath, you know, we intend on getting them on a flight over to Ipswich. Um, and then, you know, kind of same thing, Mark Ashton, new CEO, and, you know, Paul Cook, uh, manager, they're in, they're in the – they couldn't be busier right now as they look to kind of figure out what team they're going to put on the field. So we can't get them over here right now. If, if we could, I, I tried to see if there was a window we can get them over quickly, but it's just – it was too tough. And then also the COVID protocols didn't help at all. But yeah. um, so – Long way of saying it's been delayed for a host of different reasons. But once we get kind of a Rick and Bobby over there, good things happen. You know, once we get them over, um, good things happen. And so I, I think it'll be somewhat organic. Um, you know, again, maybe Rick and Bobby watch a bunch of the, you know, academy players and they see a spot of guy. I mean, Corey Whalen, I think, as a lot of people know, um, mm-hmm. Brandon and Brandon McCarthy and Dave Stearns, I think, were over literally watching uh, Liverpool practice and saw Corey Whalen and you know next thing we know uh he's playing for us and I, I loved his style of play I loved the contributions he made for us and you know that was uh that was interesting how that unfolded it'll be very different obviously if you have a situation where Rick and Bobby can say like look we covet this potential young player at Ipswich can we potentially get him on loan and I think there'll be a lot of support for it um a lot more sort of organized support for it rather than how it uh, unfolded I guess under that scenario with Whalen. Yeah, and and uh, for listeners that, that don't know, he was extremely, extremely homesick during the pandemic after everything happened. And I think it's a, it's a little ironic that he went to Wigan, who's in League One. Um, he saved their, their you know, I guess they didn't get relegated, so he saved, saved them from that. Uh, and then I believe his contract, they did not renew, um, and he's available. But in terms of uh, the two leagues he went from, USL to League One, I mean, let me ask you, in terms of the talent level, how far off do you think the two leagues are from each other? It's a good question. Um, it's tough to tell. I, I know that when I tuned in to the Ipswich games right after we closed on the investment, um, you know, it's not a stretch to say it was underwhelming. The Ipswich side was underwhelming. It was, um, it was, it was borderline painful to watch, just not reflective of what I know, the history and culture of that club. It's and what the supporters deserve. But it's difficult to look at that talent, if you will, and say, oh, my God, I'd love to have Phoenix Rising play these guys because, you know, I, you know I, I, here's what I'd say. I can't wait till we have some friendlies and, uh, and get them over and, and see how they stack up against each other. But I also can't wait again until we have some of the Phoenix Rising players that benefit from looking and getting experience being on the same pitch with some of the Ipswich players and vice versa. So 
Uh, but I, based on what I saw, I think Phoenix Rising, there are a lot of players who I'm interested in seeing, you know, at some point, can we get them in front of Paul Cook for a tryout, um, you know, because I think they would do well over in England. And I, I love the idea of someone coming through our system in Phoenix and then advancing, you know, going to play for us in, in England and, you know, getting a reputation where it's like players know that come into the broader ecosystem, do well. And uh, and if it's in our broader network, we're going to do everything we can. But if it's not, we're also going to support you. I mean, Adam John, we had a nice signing a couple of years ago, I mean, sent, sending him on to Atlanta. You know, I love that. I love trying to just figure out these, there's too much talent that's not going to be with us forever. And I just want during their time that they really enjoy their experience and they're better for it and that they kind of always feel a little bit of part of the Phoenix Rising family. I think that's something that's different about soccer culture than any other sport. It's that when players leave to advance their careers, it's not seen negative like it might be in other sports. Like, And Adam John is a perfect example, someone who was going back to MLS because of such a great season he had for Phoenix Rising. And what you just said about a potential of, and as an Arizonan myself, the chance to see an Arizona kid go from Phoenix Rising youth, Phoenix Rising over to Europe. Maybe it's through Ipswich, but that would be the ultimate, uh, the ultimate dream, I, I think. And as 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 an Arizona, and like I said, the, just having two Arizona kids in the team to me, I, I'm, I'm I nerd out about it honestly because it's you know Phoenix Rising didn't exist when I was a kid. Yeah, and and, and, I, and I, I I couldn't agree with you more, Jake. I, I could not agree. I love that, and and and, um, and again, I know. Is what I hope and expect that we'll start to do in Rhode Island, um, you know, and, and look, there's not, that's what these teams need to be a pathway to grow and inspiration for local talent. But, you know, that being said, it also needs to attract phenomenal global talent. And I love the, you know, Solomon Asantes and the Kayvon Lamberts and, you know, the Santi Moores, the Pacaras of, of the teams, you know, but that combination with, with a bunch of great American players and then some phenomenal local players, that's the mix that you want. That's the magic. That's the beauty. So, I'm with you on that, my friend. Oh, Brett, I, I appreciate taking the time out of your day. I, I know you're a very busy man, so I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and uh, to the listeners as well. Jake, it's an absolute honor and pleasure to be on your show and, and love talking about any of this, especially Phoenix Rising, which is, you know, o- o- always will be my first love. There's no doubt about it. As much as I get to do a bunch of other stuff now, it's all because of, of Phoenix Rising. and It's in my DNA. So you've got my undivided attention anytime you want to talk. All right. Thanks, Brad. I'll see you. Thank you for your time today. It's such a pleasure, Jake. Thanks for everything you do in support of us. Appreciate it. Yep. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Uprising Podcast. Phoenix Rising's next match is on Saturday, away to San Diego Loyal SC at 7.30 p.m. You can catch all the action on that game online at ArizonaSports.com, as well as the Arizona Sports app, which is available for both iOS and Android. And to make sure that you are keeping up with all things Phoenix Rising, specifically breaking news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at JWA1994. Until next time, ci vediamo, al dopo, ciao.